This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is completely, you know, left field. I've, you know, this is completely new to me. It's crazy. Now in the news hour, an alleged armed holdup at the height of the breakfast rush. The Vancouver Cafe stormed by gunmen on a Sunday morning. Plus. This sends a message both to prosecutors and to the public. Uh, what the province's intention is, what we believe the public interest is. A bold action plan, but why now? The new premier's public safety approach that critics say could have come sooner and. And having the World Cup uh, come through and, and having it be at off hours, I think is something that is really actually going to help us. Cashing in on a controversial World Cup where kickoff in Qatar means a major influx of local customers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with a brazen armed robbery at a packed Vancouver eatery this morning. During the height of the brunch rush, staff and patrons of a commercial drive hotspot found themselves being held up by suspects who are still at large tonight. Julie Nolan has our top story. Other business owners on Commercial Drive are calling this brazen armed robbery unbelievable and crazy. Here's what we know. The restaurant where this happened is called Cafe de Soleil, a popular brunch spot on Commercial Drive. We are hearing reports it was full of patrons and staff at the time of the alleged robbery at about 11.30 a.m. Two men entered the premises, both armed with handguns. Now, this is where the robbery becomes a bit unusual. They reportedly stole cell phones from patrons dining in the restaurant. There's no word on whether the two men robbed the restaurant itself or stole cash. However, people we spoke with on Commercial Drive say this kind of crime is too close for comfort. Quite shocking. I mean, uh, it's like really right down the street. So, I mean, it's, it hits home pretty close. So, um, quite shocking this is happening here. Uh, this is completely, you know, left field. I've, you know, this is completely new to me. It's crazy. Luckily, no one was injured. Vancouver police are investigating and say no arrests have been made. Julie Nolan, Global News. And that robbery happening around the same time, newly sworn in BC Premier David Eby made a sweeping public safety announcement, unveiling measures aimed at stopping the catch and release of repeat offenders, along with addressing the mental health and addiction crises compounding the problem. But critics say all of this could have come sooner. Kristen Robinson now with details. With a backdrop of police, politicians and community leaders, BC's Premier unveils his Safer Communities Action Plan. The core of this plan is coordination. David Eby promising to invest $12 million in new repeat violent offender response teams comprised of police, prosecutors and probation officers monitoring high-risk repeat offender cases through the criminal justice system. While the Attorney General has issued a directive to the BC Prosecution Service effective Tuesday to amend bail policy, especially in relation to the decision to seek pretrial detention of accused repeat violent offenders. This sends a message both to prosecutors and to the public. 
what the province's intention is, what we believe the public interest is, that within that federal framework, that they are taking every step possible to make sure the violent offenders are not released back into the community uh, until they've stood trial. I think the, the parameters are there that we can actually make this work. What we don't want to see is police as people just released out, as a matter of fact, back into community. And we really need proper assessments done. And when there's a danger element to it, we have to look really closely at holding those people in custody until trial. With the downtown east side the worst he's ever seen it, EB is pledging to expand mental health crisis response teams and move forward on a new model of addictions care at St. Paul's Hospital so people can move seamlessly from crisis to detox to treatment. If you can't get into treatment, usually what happens is you'll go to prison. We're not addressing or rehabilitating people. We're just kind of washing them through a cycle and then repeat, rinse, released, and back into a community, sometimes often homeless. Longtime criminal lawyer Chris Johnson says the province's plan is going in the right direction, but he believes some individuals need to be compelled to get treatment. These people are suffering, and, and it, it is inhumane, in my view, to let people who are in full-on, full-blown psychosis, whether it's a mental health issue, using methamphetamines, or a combination of those, to just uh, live on, survive on the street. The Premier says BC will be bolstering resources for its two streams of involuntary care, the medical and jail systems. So that when they're released, they're actually in better shape uh, than when they went in. That's not currently the case. And we're putting those investments in place uh, to make sure that that happens. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Another key aspect of today's announcement includes the expansion of Indigenous justice centres across the province. Currently, there are four such centres based in Prince George, Prince Rupert, Merritt and online. The province says 10 more Indigenous justice centres will be opened, five alone by next year, in the hopes of providing culturally appropriate support for Indigenous peoples involved in the justice system. That will come at a projected cost of $44 million over three years. And the centres are there to provide holistic wraparound supports for Indigenous uh, people as well as it's, it's, it's employed with Indigenous justice champions, people who are committed to the equity for Indigenous people. We have elders, we have diversion workers, we have lawyers, we have paralegals, we have all kinds of people, cultural knowledge keepers that are there to provide those wraparound supports. And it's absolutely vital that we have that to break these cycles. Our Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, critics of this plan are asking why these measures weren't implemented sooner under John Horgan's government when Edie was, of course, mm. Attorney General. Yes, indeed. You know, the plan today got generally positive reaction from a number of quarters, but the B.C. Liberals quick to point out, hey, wait a minute, we've been raising these issues for weeks now at the B.C. legislature, and particularly during question period. The issue of that directive uh, to Crown Council to change the policy when it comes to bail conditions for violent chronic offenders has been in the House for weeks, and Murray Rankin, the Attorney General, has refused to issue that directive. Today, David Eby did issue that effective on Tuesday. Eleanor Sturko, the B.C. Liberal MLA from Syria, former RCMP officer herself questions why these uh, measures weren't implemented during uh, EB's reign as the Attorney General of BC for five years. These were all things that David EB could have done over the last five years, particularly since he was the Attorney General of British Columbia. These actions today are not the actions of a caring premier, but the calculations of a calculated politician. Things he could have done over the last five years while British Columbians were suffering. 
Some strong words there. Okay, so looking ahead to tomorrow when EB's first full week is premiere, there's a lot on the agenda, no doubt more reaction and scrutiny to come from critics as well. Keith, what can we expect? Yeah, going to be a very busy day tomorrow. In fact, all week. He's only been premium now three days already. A lot of announcements. And tomorrow, another big one in the morning. Uh, it's to do with housing, both on the rental front and on the supply front. Uh, EB will be introducing two pieces of legislation. Uh, the Liberals and the Greens, I think, are going to be upset. There's only four days now in the session to debate what could be really critical pieces of legislation. So that'll cause some fireworks. But EB's pledged to have a 100-day action plan. He says he wants to hit the ground running. He has hit the ground running. We'll see how far he runs through the rest this week and the rest of those 100 days. No kidding. Okay, more to come. Keith Baldry, thanks so much. David Eby has also pledged to crack down on homeless encampments, setting a major safety issue. A good example of that coming from northern B.C. last night, where flames broke out and quickly spread between tents in Prince George. Firefighters were called to the encampment at First Avenue and George Street yesterday evening, where they found three tents on fire. The fire was quickly put out, but as of this morning, parts of the encampment appear to still be smoldering. The city says one person inside a tent where the fire may have originated was taken to hospital as a precaution adding the fire likely started by accident. Temperatures in Prince George were hovering around minus 9 degrees at the time. And in Vancouver, fire crews battled a second fire at a vacant home in as many days this morning. This one broke out in the 8,000 block of Borden Street, just off Southeast Marine Drive, around 4 o'clock this morning. The home was fully involved when crews arrived, although nobody was inside. This fire is considered suspicious. A fast-moving fire in the Okanagan that destroyed a mobile home could have been much more destructive if it weren't for the quick thinking of fire crews. That fire is now under investigation, but as Jaden Wozni reports, one man whose home was saved says he knows exactly what happened. This mobile home in Vernon went up in flames in a matter of minutes. I was uh, sitting at my computer and then I looked up the side and then I seen flames uh, 20 foot tall. It was very hot and, and it caught on fire so quickly it's it was amazing. Vernon Fire Rescue Services receiving a call just before 4 p.m. but by the time they arrived at the home in the 2500 block of Willow Park Road it was fully engulfed. Crews found a fully involved RV uh, which had now then extended into the house uh, the mobile home itself uh, so crews started actioning that fire immediately. The homeowner, declining to comment on camera, believes the blaze was sparked inside the engine of his RV before spreading to his home. Uh, at this time, our investigator is just wrapping up. Uh, we don't have the conclusion yet. Uh, we should know better details by tomorrow afternoon. One nearby resident applauding the Vernon fire crews for managing to stop the blaze from spreading to other homes. The building itself is surrounded by trees, and the original motorhome that caught on fire is right close to the next door neighbor's garage and I'm quite impressed how the fire department kept the fire contained just to the the buildings that caught in fire there. Two people who were living in the home managing to make it out safely. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Vernon. An elderly man has died after a bad car crash in South Vancouver last night. Vancouver police say an 88-year-old man was killed when two sedans collided near Oak Street and 59th Avenue just before 6 o'clock in the evening. Another person was taken to hospital but is expected to recover. Vancouver police say they're investigating the crash and anyone with information is asked to call them. The cause of the crash is now under investigation. Vancouver police are looking to speak with any witnesses. 
Meantime, a vehicle incident in Abbotsford along Highway 1 on Saturday has sent a person to hospital. It happened in the westbound lanes near the Sumas River east of Whatcom Road. It's not clear what happened here, but BC Emergency Health Services says they were alerted to the incident just after 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Both westbound lanes were briefly closed, leading to major delays for drivers. Three ground ambulances were dispatched along with one air ambulance that was used to take the person to hospital. A provincial court judge will deliver his decision Monday in the public mischief trial of former Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum. McCallum is accused of misleading police during an investigation into an allegation. His foot was run over in a Save on Foods parking lot in September of last year. Surveillance video of the incident is inconclusive on whether his foot was run over, but the special prosecutor says the trial is about whether the former mayor made false statements to police. The defense claims McCallum should be acquitted of the public mischief charge because the Crown failed to prove he intended to mislead police. Coming up, far too close for comfort. They were pouncing on me and quite ferocious, and I got taken aback. A North Shore man's unexpected brush with wildlife that left him with the ripped pants to prove it. Plus, the cost of living skyrockets in the Okanagan, where renters can now expect to fork over two grand and counting for a one-bedroom suite. That's after the break. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A North Vancouver man says he's lucky he wasn't seriously injured when a pair of aggressive animals attacked him in Lynn Valley recently. Deepak Gandhi says he got off a bus on Mountain Highway on November 10th and started walking home down 18th Street. That's when he says two animals, either coyotes or off-leash dogs, started to stalk him and then attacked him. Gandhi says he swung his laptop to fend them off, striking one in the head. That canine backed off but only came back to bite him in the leg tearing his pants pretty badly in the process. Suddenly I found there were two wild animals. First I assumed they were dogs, you know, because they were barking like dogs. But they were pouncing on me and quite ferocious, you know. I got taken aback. You know, they were pretty smart. They, they, there was a coordinated attack, you know. One was coming from front, other was coming from the back. On further contemplation, you know, I think they were coyotes, you know. Because I, I can remember their face, very ferocious face. Dogs are not like that. BC conservation officers say they are aware of the attack, but cannot confirm if coyotes were involved. Officers add there have not been any recent reports of aggressive coyotes in that area. Police in Greater Victoria are warning the public to be cautious after a woman reported being followed by a cougar at a local park. It happened Friday evening at Latoria Creek Park in Colwood. West Shore RCMP say the woman was out for a run when she saw a cougar at the bottom of a set of stairs. She called 911 and the operator advised the woman who was wearing a headlamp to stay calm and not turn her back. The cougar followed her as she walked backwards up the stairs but left as she sought safe shelter inside a nearby home. Officers later searched the area, but the cougar was not ultimately found. 
As the province prepares to make a major housing announcement tomorrow, renters will be listening closely. It's no secret anyone searching for a place to rent is facing a daunting market and skyrocketing prices. That includes Kelowna, where prices once considered outlandish for Vancouver are now the norm. Victoria Famia reports. The price of rent in Kelowna has reached an unwanted new high, proving yet again why it's one of the most expensive cities in Canada to live in. The price of renting a one or two bedroom apartment in the largest city in the province's interior is between $1,900 to $2,500 a month. According to Rentals.ca, a one bedroom apartment in the city now goes for around $2,000 a month. That's up 21.5% from this time last year, when they were around $1,600 a month. Kelowna is not the only city to see a price increase. In fact, all across Canada, October rents continued to surge, rising 11.8% year over year, with Vancouver reporting the highest rental costs in Canada and Toronto a close second. And according to rental company Zumper, Kelowna is the fifth most expensive place to live in Canada, with a two-bedroom apartment listed at close to $2,500 a month. According to Statistics Canada, the increase in rental costs are more than double the annual increase in the average hourly wage of employees in the country. Of Canada's largest cities, St. John's, Newfoundland is listed as having the cheapest rent, with one- and two-bedroom apartments ranging from just $800 to $1,000. Victoria Famia, Global News, Kelowna. Coming up, a Saturday night turned horrific at a Colorado nightclub. It was so scary. I heard shots broken glass, body. A gunman opens fire, killing multiple clubgoers while the mass shooting is being investigated as a hate crime. Plus... Shit. Don't call it a comeback. Longtime federal Greens leader Elizabeth May takes the party reins again. That's after the break. A mass shooting in Colorado is sending shockwaves across the United States and the LGBTQ community tonight. At least five people are dead and more than two dozen injured after a lone gunman opened fire in a crowded nightclub. Jennifer Johnson reports. The deadly shootings happened just before midnight at the Club Q. Patrons desperately tried to escape as the lone gunman carrying a long rifle opened fire. It was so scary. I heard shots, broken glass, bodies. Bartender Michael Anderson thought he was going to die. What I can't stop thinking about is the visuals of the evening, of, of, of the bodies, of the blood, and seeing a safe place turned into a war zone. Police arrived quickly and apprehended the suspect in just over five minutes after the first emergency call. They say the suspect, 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich, entered the club and immediately began shooting. But patrons risked their own lives to stop him. At least two heroic people inside the club confronted and fought with the suspect and were able to stop, stop the suspect from continuing to kill. The FBI has joined the investigation. The shooter's motive hasn't been determined, but investigators are looking into whether this was a hate crime. Prosecutors are promising justice will be served. Actions taken to strike fear in specific communities will not be tolerated in our community. For the LGBTQ community, this tragic event brings back nightmares of the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting in 2016 that left 49 clubgoers dead. The Club Q massacre was America's sixth mass shooting in November alone. Another city trying to make sense of such a senseless act. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. And today also happens to be the Transgender Day of Remembrance.
whether you are out or not, whether you are visible or not, you are loved. In Victoria this morning, people gathered in front of the B.C. Parliament building to raise the transgender flag. The day is meant to honour the memory of transgender people who have been targeted in acts of transphobic violence. The tragic deaths at Q Nightclub in Colorado overnight top of mind for those attending today's ceremony in the capital. This morning, waking up to that news on Transgender Day of Remembrance um, is a very uh, recent raw reminder that hate kills. Um, it is... Um, devastating and the, the loss of life, the targeted violence because of who people are is something we must stand against today and every day. It is by no means the only incidence of this kind of violence and, and we have to be loud about it. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau wrapped up his latest international trip by announcing millions to help stabilize a tenuous situation in Haiti. Trudeau announced $16.5 million for Haiti at a summit of French-speaking countries in Tunisia. That includes funding for humanitarian aid and to help weed out corruption. Haiti's government has been calling for an international military intervention for months now to combat gangs. The United States has said Canada would be an ideal leader for such an intervention, but Trudeau says he wants to see a consensus amongst political parties before moving forward. The political dynamic in Haiti over many years uh, has been uh, quite challenging between whoever happens to be in power and uh, whatever groups are in opposition. Uh, and that's why we're working so hard to pull together a consensus that will allow the international community to move forward. Meantime, world leaders at the COP27 climate summit in Egypt have finally reached a deal to help smaller nations bearing the brunt of the climate crisis. After days of tense negotiations that almost collapsed, nearly 200 countries have agreed to create a loss and damage fund. It will compensate poor nations with a smaller carbon footprint that have been battered by climate disasters. The summit fell short of any new commitments on phasing out fossil fuels or cutting back on global emissions. A familiar face is back to lead the federal Green Party, Elizabeth May, taking over once again. May is still the MP for Saanich Gulf Islands, but hasn't led the party since 2019. She had been succeeded by enemy Paul, but she stepped down following a disappointing election result and party infighting last year. May ran on a platform of sharing party leadership with Jonathan Pedno, a journalist and human rights investigator. The two ran separate campaigns as per party rules, but May says she will seek to amend the party's constitution to allow for a co-leadership model going forward. in Buffalo, New York from that monster snowstorm. Take a look at this. People are digging out after almost two meters of snow blanketed Buffalo and surrounding cities. Blowing snow is still pounding other parts of western New York State, but the worst thankfully seems to be over. The historic lake effect snowstorm created chaos on the roads and is linked to at least three deaths. Coming up, Yvonne is here with our weather, plus getting ready for kickoff and a rush of customers. It was spectacular, you know, we opened the doors and we were actually all surprised too uh, at how many people uh, arrived for the game uh, this morning. The local bars and restaurants cashing in on the FIFA World Cup in Qatar as controversy brews over the host nation's human rights record. That's coming up after weather. 
Well, Vancouver may not have its own Christmas parade this year due to sponsorship issues, but hundreds of thousands packed the streets of Toronto for the country's longest-running Santa Claus parade to kick off the holidays today. Fraser Snowden was there. It's been a long wait for many. Some people camping out early and braving the cold weather to make sure they could get a good spot. They came here 8.30 in the morning. It's so nice to be able to come back out and see the parade in person. It's amazing to be here in person. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! <laughs> the event returned to the streets for the first time since 2019. For this parade goer, it's extra special for him being able to sit in this spot once again. The whole parade itself, I've been at the same spot for 30 years. And of course, everyone looks forward to the big man himself. Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you. Best of the season, happy holidays. Santa. The big, the big jolly man, I'm into him for sure. <laughs> he didn't disappoint as he was front and center, bringing lots of joy to parade goers. It's a day Mayor John Tory says is truly special as it brings people together from all different walks of life. What's amazing, a lot of these people don't celebrate Christmas, but they celebrate being together and living in this great city, and it's just so great to see everybody smiling. With marching bands, dancing dragons, and creative floats, everyone brought a pop of color for the event. With 27 floats this year and hundreds of participants taking part, the parade marshal says that this is one of the most exciting times of the year now that they can come back and it's a great way to kick off the holiday season. You know, I just love it. It's the kickoff of the Christmas season for me. And, you know, it, just, it brings joy to see everybody back out on the streets after th two years. Fraser Snowden, Global News. The Lumiere Festival is back in Vancouver and you can take part in the winter event. The annual event inspired by light and artistic expression is driven by community and connection. Various parts of downtown Vancouver will come alive with a series of light art installations and performances. Lumiere organizers say they want to bring people out of the pandemic with outdoor gatherings and just to enjoy art and the community. This year it's, it's pop-up shows that are popping up all over the downtown peninsula and we have this beautiful purple astroturf, tents that are making like beautifully lit um, stages, pop-up stages and we're enlivening those with dancers and musicians from genres and interse intersectional yeah. things that uh, like different genres and styles of music and yeah. dance. Over to Calgary and just after 4 o'clock this morning as some Global Viewers surveillance cameras caught the moment, the bright flash of a huge meteor streaked across the night sky. Remarkable, beautiful capture there. Yvonne Shell joins us now with a look at our full forecast. Yvonne. Um, Sarah, we are tracking some wet weather that is on the way. We managed to stay dry throughout much of the day today, but it's just on our doorstep. We've been tracking that rainfall across the island. A heads up, it'll continue overnight and then ease off through the morning hours. We are going to see that potential chance for some showers. That's what we're tracking overnight tonight. Leading in towards the morning hours, it'll likely dry out. I'm hoping to see that as we head out for work and school in the morning. Temperatures will be cool. We'll be sitting at 4 and then through the afternoon, we'll remain underneath overcast skies 
and temperatures getting up to 8 degrees. That's where we should be for this time of the year. But the next weather maker that is going to push in, this one bringing more of a punch. We'll see it along the north and central coast first. It starts to work its way in the timeline for the system along the south coast will be for Monday night, late Monday and leading in towards our Tuesdays when we'll see some of the heaviest rainfall. And a heads up for the central interior, we've got a special weather statement where we're looking at the potential for snow and the timeline will be from Monday night into Tuesday. 15 and up to 20 centimeters is possible. We'll be seeing that for the caribou. A few spots in towards the Columbia, the North Thompson and the shoe shop included within that. And the timeline once again will be Monday night leading in towards Tuesday where we could see upwards of 10 centimeters. So a heads up, we'll be tracking some snowfall across the region. Most of the mountain passes this evening could just see some flurries, but not much in terms of accumulation. Wet and windy along the north coast through the day tomorrow. A few spots closer to the water. We could see some of those winds pick up, sustained at 70 and gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. An area of concern will be inland. We are also looking at the potential and the risk of freezing rain. A bit of a transition through those areas, so we are tracking that through the afternoon and early evening. A dry spot, though, for the northeastern corners of the province. We're underneath a mix of sun and cloud. A few wet flurries are possible for the central interior, and then areas towards the south will see a dry day, even some sunshine. It'll be late the day for the southern interior that will see that snow moving in for the central interior the southern half will see the chance for some flurries tops in Okanagan through the day highs closer to minus three overnight tonight we're anywhere between minus eight and a few spots at minus six Whistler will see that transition over to rain through the day tomorrow with highs up to two and across the island with that rainfall we'll still be looking at it for the early morning hours for the northern and western regions even some drizzle most areas near Victoria though will start to dry out lower mainland it'll be cloud cover through the day the heavier rain is going to move in and it'll likely be late overnight and taking us in towards our Tuesday. Rainfall heavy at times on Tuesday. We are going to see a bit of a break in between systems. Oh, it brightened up there again. Uh, we're going to see a bit of a break in between systems on our Wednesday and then periods of rain once again on our Thursday. So it'll be soggy on and off throughout the week. Sarah? Okay, Yvonne, thank you. The world's most popular sporting event kicked off today and local bars and pubs are hoping to reap the benefits with the return of the World Cup, especially following a major pandemic slump. As Travis Prasadport reports, that's even as the host country's troubling human rights record is cause for pause for some BC football fans. Sunday mornings aren't typically this busy at the Butcher and Bullock pub in downtown Vancouver. It was spectacular, you know, we opened the doors and we were actually all surprised too uh, at how many people uh, arrived for the game uh, this morning. Soccer fans filling the bar at 8 a.m. to watch the opening match of the World Cup. A similar sight at the Hollywood Theatre on West Broadway where the Vancouver Whitecaps are hosting viewing parties for three of Team Canada's games. 600 tickets per match, all sold out. I think it's, it's, it's great. I think there's a lot of people that have wanted this for so long. Um, and I think this is going to be the place where people are going to come and realize that 2026 is right around the corner and soccer is growing and it's going to be great um, when that comes. Vancouver will host some of the games during the 2026 World Cup. In preparation, the city is sending a delegation to Qatar. Mayor Ken Sim is also going, paying his own way there on a trip he says he planned long before getting elected. Uh, I'm a big Team Canada supporter, both of the women's team and the men's team. But some are calling foul on the mayor's decision to go. Qatar has a problematic human rights record, from inhumane conditions for migrant workers to laws that criminalize LGBTQ people. You know, it's very concerning that any uh, leader of 
you know, a Canadian municipality or province or country would show up in Qatar, um, you know, as if this is okay. It, it sends a really bad message. The province is temporarily extending bar operating hours. They can open at 7 a.m., though liquor can't be served until 9. The industry says the timing couldn't be better. This is sort of our slow period after we kind of have, you know, some summertime. We get into the falls a bit slow and then it ramps up for the holidays. So this is kind of taking us through a bit of a shoulder season. Uh, it's going to bring more people out to, to our bars. I think for us, man, having the World Cup uh, come through and, and having it be at off hours, I think is something that is really actually going to help us uh, to generate some, uh, some revenue recovering from uh, COVID. The beautiful game bringing a beautiful boost to business. Travis Prasad, Global News. And the talk of the sports world, no doubt, for the next couple of weeks. Also, talk of the sports world today, Asa Rahman, the Grey Cup, which we can't forget, is going on as well. Yeah, big game, really mm -hmm. exciting as well, especially in the second half. So we'll have those highlights. Should be an exciting finish to this Grey Cup between the Toronto Argonauts and Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming right down to the wire. And they'll have those uh, highlights as well from the first World Cup match between Ecuador and Qatar. So plenty of highlights coming up. And the biggest story, actually a local one from the golf course, so you don't want to miss that. Looking forward to it. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Asa, and welcome back again to the Sunday show. <laughs> I missed the pink memo guys today. You missed the memo, Yvonne. <laughs> I missed the memo. Next time, get me on the email page. chain in the text, okay? <laughs> okay, coming up, mounting questions over the roots of Alberta's new premier. For years, Danielle Smith has claimed that she has Indigenous heritage. <laughs> Danielle Smith's self-proclaimed Indigenous heritage comes under scrutiny. How her insistence on being a person of mixed race is now under the microscope. That's after the break. Tune in to Rise for BC Kids on Global BC and see firsthand the important work being done to conquer childhood illness. At BC Children's Hospital, small is mighty. Rise for BC Kids, Saturday, November 26th, in partnership with Global BC. There are growing concerns and scrutiny tonight from Indigenous leaders and scholars over claims Alberta Premier Danielle Smith has Indigenous roots. As Chris Chacon reports, the claim, which originated from Smith, is sparking some big questions. Premier Danielle Smith has said she has Cherokee roots. Years ago, she declared herself a person of mixed race. When asked of her claims, this is how Indigenous leaders responded. For years, Danielle Smith has claimed that she has Indigenous heritage. <laughs> Chief Tony Alexis says people claiming Indigenous heritage is a growing issue. What we're realizing is that anybody wants to be a part of that Indigenous community if there's a benefit. You know, at the university level, we have people who are not Indigenous who claim that they are Indigenous to gain benefits, to gain bursaries and so on. There's always something behind it. The Premier's office says Smith's heritage isn't documented. A statement says in part, Premier Smith has heard about her heritage from her loved ones. Her family has spoken for years about their ancestry and she is proud of her family history. The Premier hasn't done a deep dive into her ancestry but is proud of her roots. One Indigenous scholar says deep dives are necessary if you're the Premier. When people make the claim in order to get um, some sort of uh, privilege or 
power behind their statements or to situate themselves in a way where they're defending certain uh, decisions or where they're getting benefits from it, it becomes a problem then. Kim Talbert says even if Smith does have Indigenous ancestry, she presents herself as a white woman. Who we are is about, I think, who socialized us and who raised us, both biological relatives and non-biological relatives, right? So when you're having to go back that far, I don't think that's really informing who you really are. Attracting attention, says political scientist Lori Williams, to both the premier's past and her future. She now has questions swirling around the claim and her ability to effectively represent Indigenous people. Chris Chacon, Global News. Coming up, Asa is back with breakup highlights, plus in the driver's seat. Badass women. <laughs> you have moments of incredible self-doubt, and it's how you pull yourself out of those moments. Meet the local women dominating behind the wheel in North America's longest off-road rally. We'll take you to the Rebel Rally, coming up after sports. Stay with us. Pink Shirt Day reminds us all to be kind, to lift each other up, to speak up for those who don't have a voice. You know, like every day. The CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day, presented by Global BC and CKNW 980. Visit our online store at pinkshirtday.ca. Be part of the BC Cancer Foundation's Beyond Belief campaign. BC is at a critical turning point in cancer research and care. With your help, the potential is beyond belief. Your gift will advance cancer care innovation and bring it to every British Columbian. Donate today at gobeyondbelief.ca. Don't miss Disney on Ice. Grab your Mickey ears and join Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy at the Pacific Coliseum as they take a road trip through the magical adventures of Frozen, Moana, Aladdin, and more. For our BC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Welcome back. Asa is back. We are Happy looking very back. pretty in pink. I just caught a glimpse of us <laughs> on the monitor. Nice I, to I got the memo. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Speaking of matches, there's a lot of matches going on. A lot today. of matches a going big day on in the big, sports world. Yes, it was a big mm -hmm. game uh, this morning. If you got up early to watch uh, the game between Ecuador and Qatar, it was a fun one to kick off the World Cup, and then also uh, the Grey Cup going on right now, which mm -hmm. has been entertaining as well. But the biggest story today, especially locally, uh, in golf, Adam Svensson turned pro in 2015, and today he earned his first PGA Tour victory by winning the RSM Classic. After shooting a six under 64 today, the 28-year-old from Surrey said he just wanted to be bogey-free in the final round. Well, he did a lot more than that. It was cold at the Sea Island Seaside course in Georgia, but for the Canadian, the cold never bothered him anyway. The top of the leaderboard was very tight. Here's Svensson on eight. His birdie putt drops beautifully. That was his second birdie of the day to get to 15 under. Then on 10, the long birdie attempt. Good as well. That kind of day and a chance for a share of the lead with that. A sign of a special day for Svensson. It was a tight race at the top when Sahit Tigala sunk this putt. He joined three others. So a four-way race at 17 under. Uh, but on the par four 16th, Svensson does this. His fifth birdie of the day to get alone at the top. And then he'd follow that up with another birdie on 17. A great approach shot on this one as well and an incredibly clutch finish to his final round. So then on 18, all he has to do is sink this par putt to ensure the bogey-free round as intended. He does that, and he finished the tournament at 19 under. Two-shot lead, two-shot win, rather. The historic victory in Svensson, a two-year exemption and a trip to the Masters and PGA Championship.
it's it's been an up and down journey. Uh, I've had lows, I've had highs, but um, I just I just kept believing in myself, and um, yeah, here I am. Two years ago, I made a, a decision to to give it 100%. Uh, there was no going back, or you know, I was I was quitting because I was going going the wrong way, and uh, it's, it's it was a good choice. Well, the biggest game of the CFL season kicked off in Regina this afternoon. Winnipeg's looking to become the first team to three-peat since Edmonton rattled off five straight Grey Cups starting in 1978. But no franchise has won more championships than the Argos, who have won the Cup 17 times prior to this 109th Grey Cup. Beautiful day for the Grey Cup in Regina. Fans from all over the country filling Mosaic Stadium. Argos establishing the ground game early on. Already up 3-0 with former bomber Andrew Harris. Takes the pitch, hurdles a man before he's brought down. Again on the play, and he's pumped up about it. But the Winnipeg defense, tough one to break down as well. Jackson Jeffcoat gets the strip sack here, so it's a fumble. The sack, Blue Bombers do recover. I think any points off of it, though. But midway through the second quarter, we finally get the first touchdown of this game. And it's a, it's a short one, a goal line plunge from Dakota Prukop. Winnipeg's first lead of the game as well. They went up 7-4. The scoring picked up in the second half. Argos get back to the run game, trailing by three uh, when A.J. Ouellette uh, scampers into the end zone at 14-10 at that point. Fourth quarter now, Lions fans familiar with this. Yeah, that's a big punt return from Janarian Grant. Finds a crease, hits the hole hard, cuts it back and gets all the way into the end zone. Bombers went up 23-14, but they were trailing by one. In the final two minutes of this game, and that's where we are right now, late in the fourth quarter, Argos up 24-23. All right, to uh, the other football on the pitch, some encouraging news for Canada's soccer team in Qatar. On the opening day of the World Cup, we learned that Alfonso Davies has declared himself ready to go for Canada's opening match on Wednesday against Belgium. Davies revealed in a TSN interview that he's feeling good and is able to play when Canada takes on Belgium on Wednesday. Opening match of the World Cup hosts Qatar against Ecuador and Enter Valencia spoil the party for the home fans. The striker scoring twice in the opening half actually had another goal that was ruled offside. So this one came in the 31st minutes. Ecuador picking up a full three points in Group A with a 2-0 victory. And finally, the final race of the Formula One season, also the final race for four-time champ Sebastian Vettel's Formula One career. He's retiring. Max Verstappen, long since wrapped up the Drivers' Championship, just needed a clean start today. Does just that, withstands the pressure of Red Bull teammates Sergio Perez. Verstappen and Red Bull also lifting their self-imposed ban on Sky Sports. They didn't like a comment uh, made about Verstappen's championship clinching race at Abu Dhabi versus Lewis Hamilton last season. Verstappen winning for the 15th time this year. Third straight win at Abu Dhabi. Charles Leclerc second, Perez third. Carlos Sainz fourth. Red Bull wins the Constructors title. Ferrari surging past Mercedes for second. There okay. That's all of it. A lot of it. Yeah, that was a great lot. Cup. Can't wait to see And more to come tonight, up. obviously, at 11. Yes. So. We'll have all the updated okay. highlights for the Great Cup. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Asa. Coming up, we've got a cool story that's also related to sports. We'll take you to where the women rule the road. That's after the break. Stick with us. This is BC with Jay Durant, is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. 
when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Welcome back. Some female motorsport enthusiasts from BC have signed up for a unique adventure south of the border, one that puts them squarely in the driver's seat. As Jada Rand reports in This Is BC, the Rebel Rally is a demanding off-road experience that's also become a great showcase for women who love the thrill of taking the wheel. What are you guys looking for? A trail. Sounds simple, but there's nothing easy about eight straight days in the middle of nowhere. What you thought you knew? You really don't know. No phone, no GPS, but you do get a map to find your way to the finish line of the grueling Rebel Rally. You might have created a pace that isn't sustainable and that day three hits you like a train. It's the longest competitive off-road rally in the U.S., more than 2,500 kilometers through iconic California Nevada terrain, giving the handful of BC participants a rare opportunity. Getting into motorsport is pretty hard, especially in Canada, I would say. We don't have as much of a market um, as they do in the States. Right. We want to turn right. We're not going that way. Some have been coming back for years. Others are taking a very big step, trying something completely new. We should look. It's a showcase for women to test their motorsport skills, and it's inspired others around the world. Welcome, Earlier this year, organizers of the Rebel Rally traveled to Saudi Arabia to help launch the first ever Rally Jamil, another all-female event making its debut in a country that up until 2018 didn't allow women to drive. And it really puts in perspective how privileged we are when you see an event like that take place and, and these women who are just, who, who, who didn't have the right to do that up until recently. Badass women! <laughs> Those who have competed in the Rebel Rally talk about the empowering feeling out on the course. And you have moments of incredible self-doubt, and it's how you pull yourself out of those moments. And that one unforgettable moment of finishing one of the most difficult challenges they've ever signed up for. It is exhilarating. Like a lot of a lot of the contestants will cry. There's a lot of hugging. Um, there's just this big emotional release at the end of day seven. No matter what the obstacle is, do it. It is going to be a life-changing, most amazing event ever. Now that we've done it, we can do anything. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people just need to hear about, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Way to go, ladies. That is very cool. I've been looking at Asa in the corner of my eye. You've been <laughs> on your phone, I, I believe, have. checking Grey Cup. So what's going on? I, I got the final score. Okay. One. So when I gave you the highlights, the Bombers were down by one. They had the ball with two minutes to go. Who do you think won, the Argos or the Bombers? Uh, I want to say Bombers just because I'm cheering for the underdog. Yeah, no. Fair enough. In that scenario, Argos. they would have been the underdog. They were favorites coming into this. But the Argos pulled off the upset. <laughs> the Bombers. The Argos won. That's right. Okay, I need to pay better attention to your sports. <laughs> <laughs> <That's well. laughs> okay, Argo's winning breaking news. Thank you so much, Asa. We'll have more on that tonight as well. And Yvonne, quick look at weather before we go. We're tracking the chance for some showers this evening. Overnight, that will likely taper off as we get in towards the morning hours. A fair bit of cloud cover throughout the week, and we've got a number of systems. They'll be stronger as we go throughout the week. Heaviest rainfall so far will be on Tuesday and likely leading in towards our Wednesday so far. So grab those umbrellas. We'll need them throughout the week so far. Okay, get your rain gear ready. That's all for us tonight. Thanks for being with us. Have a great evening. We'll I'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock tonight.